if you'd like to follow along uh, this morning, our, our, our main story is a big one, and, and we won't have time uh, to read it in its entirety. But if you would uh, want to turn to Acts chapter 21, um, if you have a mobile device or your Bibles or however else we access the Scriptures, um, Acts chapter 21 uh, starting at verse 37, but then really through um, chapter 23. So I would, in, and once again, we're not going to read it in its entirety today, but I would encourage you maybe uh, later this week to uh, familiarize yourself with that entire portion of Acts, because uh, there is a lot that is going on, um, but that's where we'll be today. Um, if, if you were here last week, um, then we asked the questions, and you may remember these. We asked the questions, where has obedience taken you? Which is more of a reflective. Over the years, over your life, where have you allowed obedience to take you? And uh, a second question is more of a looking ahead, is where will you allow obedience to take you? We, we looked at those two things. We looked at, of course, the, the uh, life of Paul and just the different things that are happening in his missionary journey. And I would encourage you, we've already hit on this theme a few times, but if you happen to have had answers to those questions over the last week, I would encourage you right, even right now to remind yourself of those because I think those are going to be helpful today as they always are. Where has obedience taken you? Where are you willing to let it take you even more? If we were to ask and answer those same two questions for Paul, as we were looking in the narrative of Acts so far in our journey, we would be able to say the following about where obedience has taken Paul. Listen to this list. And once again, yes, these are things that happened to Paul, but we framed Paul's missionary journey last week into this is Paul being obedient. Listen to this list of stuff that's happened to Paul so far in our journey through the book of Acts. Um, Paul's initial obedience, that initial moment of conversion, where Jesus prompted Paul to admit and repent of his deep sin. And this is a list, but it's not a light one, if, you really, if we're really hearing it. Repent, admit and repent of your sin. Um, to make a monumental shift in thinking and behavior. Once again, Paul going from a military official that persecuted Christians to a missionary to not yet Christians. That's a big shift, right? That is a big shift in thinking and behavior. To completely reorient his life's ambitions for the sake of others. These are no small things, and that's only bullet point one of four. Paul then traveled for years as a craftsman and an evangelist left a government job, left, for all intents and purposes, left a government military job, became a tradesman, was a tent builder, and an evangelist, taking it on the road. In every town that Paul went to, he was yelled at. Every single town. Every town he was yelled at by someone. He was oppressed by someone. He was falsely accused of things. And in some of the towns, he was beaten and thrown into jail. My goodness, and if that wasn't enough, he had the presence of mind to train others for ministry. We read about the Barnabases of the world. We read about the Timothys of the world. 
and he was, get this, quick to release power in an effort to empower others for ministry. I love that. All of those things, changing the jobs, changing ambitions, repenting of sin, traveling all over the place as a craftsman, getting yelled at, beaten up, thrown into jail, and training others, and giving up power, and giving up control, and sending people on their missions of their own. Wow. When I consider that list, and I don't even account for the rest of the book of Acts, which we'll finish up over the next few weeks, I have to ask myself if I would have quit by now, right? I mean, it's a, it's a big list. It's a, it's a short bullet point list of stuff, but it's a big list. And when I ask that question to myself, I think, I probably would have. <laughs> I've, I've quit things before. I'm willing to admit that. And, uh, and, and I have quit, goodness gracious, I've quit Lego building, Right? You get the instructions, you get the pieces, and they give you the pictures, but you're just so confused you quit. That's where I've been. And let's be honest, I think there's a reason that there aren't just a ton of other stories like Paul's. And I think the reason is, is because that's a lot of stuff to go through. It takes a person, right? Our story today in Acts, once again, starting at chapter 22, end of 21, we have Paul who's arrested again. We have confusion amongst officials on how to treat Paul because Paul's, a Ro- he's, Paul's technically a Roman citizen by birth, and so there's this dynamic of you can't treat Roman citizens certain ways, and so there's confusion on how to treat him. There's a civilian plot to kill him, and then he eventually gets transferred under the cloak of darkness to another governor uh, so that the other leader doesn't have to deal with this. And this sequence begins with what I would like to highlight. This is chapter 22, verse 1. To set the scene, Paul is in chains, essentially. He is arrested. He's about to be transferred. There's about to be a bunch of people yelling at him. There's about to be some confusion over how to treat him. But this is where it all begins. Verse 1, chapter 22. Brothers, listen now to my defense. And then through verses 1 through 21, he accounts for everything that we've read about over the last several weeks. The conversion and just everything Ananias visiting him when he was blind and saying, hey, I was sent to you. And then, hey, you have to leave Jerusalem because there's people who want to kill you. And, and there's so many things going on. He accounts for all of it. Paul's defense for his actions before an angry cap- crowd that would only become more angry are his track record of obedience. That's what I want us to see, is that his defense, his explanation, his moment of witness of maybe why he shouldn't be arrested, or why you should let me go, or why you shouldn't beat me, or why you shouldn't throw me into jail, his defense was very simply, 
his obedience to God. And that's all he had to say is, look at all of these things that God has done. Listen to me. Believe me. I encountered Jesus in a wild conversion moment in the desert. We end our gatherings around this communion table. And every time we gather around this table, if you've been here enough, you know that we're prompted to remember, right? We're prompted to remember what God has done for us because we believe that in remembering, we are encouraged to keep going. We believe that when we remember what God has done for us, we can remind ourselves, oh yeah, God was able to do that. Oh yes, God was able to bring me through that moment. Then that can encourage us to keep on going. And I'm wondering if that's what's going on with Paul in this scene. Because the interesting thing is that before we read in verse 1, listen now to my defense, um, Paul asks the soldiers, this is chapter 21, verse 37. Paul's standing there, his captives are there, he's in chains, and he goes, hey, can I say something? <laughs> can, I, can I say something real quick? And I'm wondering if Paul asked to speak not only to explain himself before a crowd, but to remind his own self of the journey that God had him on. I'm wondering if Paul said, I need a minute. Someone hand me the microphone because I need to remind my own self of everything that God has brought me through. Now, Paul's defense, what we would read later on, did not satisfy the crowd but the thing about crowds is that they already had their mind made up before you even talk to them. That's an interesting thing about crowds that we read about in the New Testament and the book of Acts. Eh, they already had their mind made up. It doesn't really matter what you said. Nonetheless, his defense did not satisfy the crowd. But I think it did do something productive, and I think what it did is that it did satisfy any anxiety or doubt that Paul might have been feeling in that moment. Because once again, up until that moment, already been beaten a few times, already been arrested a few times, and you could imagine that there's some thoughts swirling through his head of maybe this is actually the last time I'm going to be arrested because the beating I'm not going to be able to survive. If you've ever found yourself backed up into a corner, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, socially, if you have ever faced a lose-lose situation, if you are unsure of what move to make next, or, this last one is an exciting one, if you feel like your obedience is becoming a stumbling block for others, this is what I mean by that, is you're doing and saying and believing and deciding exactly what you feel like the Spirit of God would be telling you to do, telling you to say, telling you to think, telling you to believe. And yet, you've got a host of others that are yelling at you, upset with you. The, the friends, the loved ones are not your biggest fan, 
The people that you want to be your biggest fan are not. And if you've ever found yourself in that moment and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go next and it's a lose-lose and every time I take a step of obedience, I've got 10 people yelling at me to stop, look back at what God has done. That's, that's all I could say. That's what Paul's doing in Acts right here before us in chapter 22. Paul is looking back, asking himself, how on earth are these chains worth it? How on earth is being rested again, knowing how the, the, Roman, uh, the Roman culture, the Roman empire worked in such a way to where if you would just say with your mouth, Caesar is Lord, they would let you out of jail and let you walk. It was actually really easy to get out of jail then. Just, you could just say with your mouth whether you believe it or not, hey, Caesar is Lord. You know, Paul wasn't even willing to do that. So what does Paul do? He looks back. I don't do them a lot, but pardon the sports analogy I'm about to give. Your defense is your best offense. Your, your defense, right? Your, your witness is your best offense. Your defense is your clarity. Your defense is your motivation. Your ability to look back and report back and to recall everything that God did is what's going to keep you moving forward. Because the cool thing about the book of Acts and this scene with Paul is that this isn't the end of Paul's story. We're not at the end. And when we read earlier in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus playing with the, the minds of the elders, that wasn't the end of Jesus' story either. And that's really cool. I want to, I grace, as gracefully as I can, I want to present to you the alternative of constantly looking back and reminding yourself on what God has done. So that, that's a practice that I am presenting to you. I'm presenting to you the regular practice of constantly reminding yourself what God did so that you can have the motivation to keep going. Allow me to present the alternative. The alternative is to go through life randomly without any solidified intentions being blown back and forth by whatever wind we let sway us. That's a harsh word, but that's the only other option. <laughs> we either can be like the nation of Israel that reminded themselves they had actual rocks. We've read in the scriptures before. They had actual rocks that they put outside of the door of their home. And every single time that they came and went from that door, the parents turned to their kids and said, the reason that that rock is there is because your great, 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 great grandma and grandpa had to break up rocks for Pharaoh because they were slaves. But then God split the sea and he drowned the enemy and he let them walk on dry land and they're free. And that's still our story 80 years later. And that's why we have those rocks sitting there. And that's why we still worship God. And that's why we still obey the Ten Commandments. And that's why we're still faithful. And we participate in the festivals and we share what we have with the poor and the oppressed, and we welcome the foreigner. Man, oh man. 
the alternative is to be blown back and forth by the wind of the world. Instead, we talked about this at the beginning of our gathering, the scriptures in the book of 1 Peter prompt us to be ready to present an answer for the hope that we have, for our why in life. Seth, why do you do this? Why did you say that? Why do you believe this? Well, here's why. (laughs) For me, this is true. Y'all know this. The evidence of this is in this building right now. It was my trip to Haiti in 2012. I've talked about it before, and I will talk about it again. Why do I always talk about it again? Because I think I'm cool that I went to Haiti? No, because God changed my life in Haiti. (laughs) That's the reason. I'm not sitting here before you and talking before you if Haiti doesn't happen for me. If a little orphan named Wensley doesn't run up from behind me and hug me. And if Eric and Pam don't adopt him and live in Tremont and are sitting in the front row. True story. The alternative, if I don't keep talking about Haiti, if I don't have the Haitian flag in my office, sitting in a Coke bottle filled with sand off of a beach from Haiti, sitting in my office, if I can't look at that every day, then I don't have a reason to keep going. In ministry, right? Y'all, there's a pandemic. This is absolutely the hardest season in my life to be a pastor. Y'all have made it fun, though, and I'm not even being sarcastic. Y'all have been really gracious. You know how easy it would have been to quit? How many times I felt like I was in handcuffs? If you're a Facebook friend of mine, I have been getting rained down on lately. Just, there's kids in the other room, just hellfire. I mean, it's been crazy. But Haiti is the reason. God is the reason. I I want you to know this morning that your best shot at journeying even farther with Jesus, if that's a desire of your heart this morning, to journey even farther with Jesus and to journey even deeper into the mission of God, that your best shot is knowing where you have come from, knowing exactly what God has done for you, knowing exactly why you are on the journey that you are on. That is your best shot because it is not easy. And the patterns of this world are so persuasive And they're so domineering and they're so tempting that the patterns of this world sometimes lure us in and say, this is the easier thing to say. This is the easier way to go because everyone else around you is saying it and everyone else around you is doing it. So just do that instead. But I'm telling you, if you can have a rock or a flag from another country or a bottle of sand I'm literally suggesting something physical and tangible that you can put on a mantle. Or a t- I'm literally suggesting that. Some, some kind of physical thing that you can put outside of a door, put on a desk, put on a mantle, put on a keychain, put in your phone. It is going to legitimately help your life here and now today if you want to journey farther with Jesus if you want to journey even deeper into the mission of God.